This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. What's up, everybody, on what will be one of the most fun post games that we've done here on Inside Carolina in quite some time? I am Joey Powell. With us tonight, Dewey Burke, who is uh, looks like he's just played a full 40 minutes against Duke. We are brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt and Congruity. Dewey, first off, how the hell are you, man? Really good right now. Great day to be a Tar Heel. Really good. Ab- absolutely. Before we get rolling, I'll go through some some high-level stats. Of course, final score, Tar Heels 93, uh, Duke 84. Uh, Duke actually shot 51% from the field, uh, made two more field goals than North Carolina did. Um, but where the Tar Heels excelled, were, uh, they went 9 for 24 from, the, uh, from behind the arc, uh, hit 18 of 25 free throws. Duke only shot 11 free throws. And North Carolina really took care of the ball. I know that was something you were stressing after the uh, after the last uh, the last two games, really, Dewey. Uh, what did you see in the first half that really just um, kind of clued in that North Carolina was dialed in tonight? Well, the biggest thing is that we had a ten point lead with RJ only having two baskets. And obviously, we've relied on him so heavily from an offensive perspective to carry us a lot, and um, you know we were able to build that lead. And we really pushed the ball in transition. Our pace was excellent. You heard Hubert say that coming out of halftime to the uh, to the sideline reporter that he was really happy with our pace. And you know that was like the old days, scoring on made buckets by the other team. And you know they had a couple times where they got to the rim and finished, and either fell down or were kind of celebrating whatever they had done. And boom, we were pass pass layup on the other end. That's really demoralizing. Uh, when you are the other team, when you just got a bucket and you're thinking you're getting ready to set up your five-on-five defense and we score in a couple seconds. So uh, I thought our pace was great. Armando's activity was great. By far the best we've seen from him. You know, it's interesting, Joey. Uh, Last night I was showing my daughters, seven and four, some old YouTube stuff of the Duke Carolina rivalry. That's good parenting, by the way. Yeah, it's great parenting. Uh, (laughs) It's one of the things that came on uh, came on like the feed was, you know, the final four game against Duke. So I fast forwarded and watched like the 10, 12, last 10, 12 minutes of it. 
And I just kept saying to myself, look how active Armando is. Look how bouncy he is. Look how into it he is. He has to be that guy tomorrow night, meaning in this game. And uh, we got him touches early. You know, the, the old adage is you get your bigs touches early, they remain interested. Uh, but I thought he was great. That's the – it sounds weird to say, but that was the old Armando. Uh, we'll talk about Harrison. I thought Seth Trimble was fantastic. Cormac played really hard, played well. Uh, Elliot was great in the first half. But that Armando Baycott makes us a national championship contender. That one does. Yeah, and Duke did their best. You know, I think they started, and you and I were texting at halftime about it, um, seeing UNC keep going to Baycott to force Duke to double team, which opened up things on the perimeter. And you saw what happened after that. It's just, it's, it's really good when you see all these different pieces working. Um, the first thing I think we've got to mention outside of Baycott's activity level and, and, and your point about him kind of being active early and staying active throughout the game, uh, Harrison Ingram, welcome to the rivalry, young man. Uh, you know, that guy, I felt like he could have shot it from, uh, he could have shot it from the Corey Natatorium and probably hit, hit net tonight. It, have you seen anybody walk into this rivalry like that cold and just seem like they've been there their entire lives? Man, I mean, there's probably been a couple that have uh, that have played really, really well. You know, maybe guys as freshmen, Tyler as one, Kobe White certainly as a freshman was terrific. But uh, to debut that way on this stage on a game that he no doubt has watched his whole life, he no doubt watched the last couple of years when he was on the Stanford team to now get to be a part of it and play like that. But it's not just that he made shots. It's not just that he's great on the backboard. He plays his ass off. I mean, he plays as hard as you could ever wish. Him and Cormac both, right? I mean, that's been my thing. They don't always shoot it great. Uh, you know, they, they come with, you know, whatever, whatever pass they had at the other teams they played for, good, bad, or indifferent. Those two guys play their ass off every possession. And, and Billis highlighted it, that scrappy rebound he, he made, and they got on the floor, kicked it out to Cadeau, it swung around to Cormac for the three. That's the epitome of Harrison Ingram. And we talked about this with Tommy. It's rare that a five-star, as recruited as highly as he was, has that ethos. Um, and that's what makes him different and special. Look, I don't know if he's an NBA player. Maybe he is. He's probably got NBA size. I don't know if he has NBA athleticism. Uh, he shot it better this year than he ha ever has before. But as a college player at his size to play as hard as he does, he's a difference maker. Absolute problem um, combined between he and Baycott since he were the, those are the two guys we open up with uh, 46 points and 23 rebounds. Uh, there's not many games and they showed the graphic during the game. That was the first time UNC has had two players go for 20 and 10, uh, I believe, against Duke since uh, Jameson Carter. Uh, which, you know, there's not going to be many times North Carolina loses regardless of who they're playing. Uh, and you mentioned Cormac Ryan a little bit in there. Uh, I also want to give, you know, give Cormac Ryan some flowers. New to this rivalry, those guys, mm -hmm. all you've heard them say uh, in their media avails and in any sort of press clippings you've read, those guys are just in Chapel Hill to win. Uh, Dewey, as a guy who's been in that locker room, what does it mean when you see guys who actually step in? I, I, you know, I know Wes Miller started elsewhere and came to Chapel Hill. What does it mean for guys like that that get into the rivalry and get to taste uh, victory at the highest level uh, in conference play? Yeah, whenever this kind of question comes to me, I'm always reminded of the first meeting 
that we had every season with Coach Williams. And this is going to make sense when I when I get there, Joe. Uh, when when we had our first meeting, he would almost always close with, you know, it was it was so impactful. He would say, "This group, us, right here, you guys, our team, our staff, we." We have what it takes to win a national championship. I don't know if every team in the country says that. We actually believe it here. So you can't tell me whether they said it or not at Notre Dame the last couple of years that they sat and said that if they said it and they believed it. You can't tell me at Stanford the last couple of years if they said it that they believed it because it wasn't true. It wasn't true. We say that, or at least Coach Williams said that, every, every fall to us. And so if Hubert takes on that mantra, which I imagine he does, those guys for the first time when they got here believed it. That's different. That's not every place, right? I mean, you go there, – there's, I don't know, six or eight schools maybe that can say that every year and it's real, and we're one of them. So that's what they are now a part of. We believe that every year. It's uh, it's really interesting to see, too, how Hubert Davis continues to evolve over the course of this season. Uh, and shout out to the 700 people that are here joining us tonight post game. No, I'm not Tommy Ashley. That is Dewey Burke. Tommy Ashley is probably pantsless crowd surfing on Franklin Street right now. Uh, I know. His, yeah, I know his uh, he was had his first chance to go to the game tonight, but both of his sons were uh, highly yep. featured in the in the risers tonight. So that was they were. A good exposure for the Ashley family. Um, Dewey is something I think that is, is really interesting to see is Hubert Davis evolving that first play tonight where he went to Baycott, I believe was a new wrinkle that they haven't seen yet this year. Um, I'll have to go back and watch, but it looked as if it was something different. How important is it to have a coach that's able to recognize what he has and is able to exploit specific opponents with what he has? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think I think he's evolving. I think every game still is important experience for him as the head coach. You know, that was the the critics when he was hired said he's got no head coaching experience and he's going to need time to learn on the job. And then all he does is go straight to the final four. Um, but it, there was going to be that. There always was going to be that. Even being one seat over to Coach Williams for nine years and his his pedigree of who coached him is as good as anybody could ever give you, right, with Riley and Coach Smith and Guthridge and all that. Uh, but he still when, – when, a lot changes when you move one seat over. And so there, there certainly has been a development period. I think he, uh, he's more emotional and more fiery on the sideline than I think he's been the last two years. Uh, listen, it, it was well documented, and I'm not saying anything anybody didn't see. He yanked Baycott in the Georgia Tech game and got in his ass. Absolutely. And I loved it. I loved it because Coach Williams would get on anybody. Anybody. I wasn't around for Coach Smith. I don't know how he was exactly. But Coach Williams, Tyler Hansborough, me, didn't matter, right? If you messed up, you heard about it. And so to see that out of Hubert, um, because, you know, you could say he's a quietly competitive guy, but I think he's he's finding his voice on on what he has to do to get certainly this team to tick. But, man, he's got them playing great, and he really has them guarding I mean, these guys defend, they do it together, they're, they're cohesive. Uh, I love that they switch less. We've talked about that a lot. Um, they rebound the basketball. And then the change in the last month has been our pace. So he's coached them 
okay, we struggled defensively against Kentucky and UConn. We need to rebuild defensively and get really strong. We did that. Okay, now let's turn those stops into running. And we're, we're playing a different style. Go back and watch a game from December and watch us now. We're playing differently. One of the things I think, uh, and we're up to over 800 now, so shout out to everybody who's here. Um, one of the things that I think is, is important, you mentioned it early on in the show, in addition to pushing tempo based on their defense, allowing just kind of one and done, they're even running after makes. And it's clear that there's only a handful of teams that are used to playing tempo like that. And when you have players like North Carolina had tonight where they had just about everybody contributing offensively in some way, um, they're going to be hard to beat. Do you think this is a team that if they can kind of get their offense, and this sounds really weird to say about a Carolina team, uh, if North Carolina can get their offense kind of at the consistency of where their defense has been, do you think this is a you know potential, uh, potential last weekend team? Look, I think it's wide open in college basketball. I, I'm not there yet. Um, I think that we still have spells offensively where we go cold. Uh, but the fact that you go down the other end and get a bunch of stops keeps you in it. Um, you know, R- RJ's not going to have a much tougher time scoring than he did tonight. I mean, they were all over him, all over him with size um, and, and really crowding him, forcing him to get into the pain and funneling him to, to Mitchell and Filipowski. And yet he still had whatever it was, 17 and two huge threes, monster threes that he hit uh, in the second half. But we are still prone to spells offensively unless Armando is going to regain his dominance on the block. If that's a thing again, then our dynamic offensively changes completely. I'd like to see him do it in consecutive games. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not ready to say we're on our path to elite offense, but at least getting in transition, you find easier baskets you know, when you got a guy like Seth Trimble, as athletic as he is, the way he can fly up the wing, pushing the pace is so beneficial for him, so beneficial for Elliot Cadeau to try and get to the rim. And then the defense is scrambling, and you've got shooters that can make shots. So they got a chance to do it, Joey. They, I'm, I'm not ready to anoint it yet, but they have a chance. Oh, well, that's all you really want, especially for, you know, the almost um, 850 folks that are, that are watching this right now. Obviously, that's all you can ask for is a team that has a chance to make it to that final weekend. Dewey, I, I want to ask, and I, I don't know how I want to say this, but did Coach – and I don't know if the staff does now, but did Coach Williams ever have a stat for floor burns? Because I feel like, you know, when you see UNC getting floor burns this year, it's mm-hmm. at such a, such a higher rate than we saw last season. But you're yeah. seeing it from everybody, upperclassmen, you know, freshmen – uh, you know, Ingram saved a, a possession tonight and ended up turning into a three for Cormac Ryan. How does the staff track floor burns like that? Or is it something they just show in film session and everybody likes it? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I can't say exactly how Hubert does it. For Coach Williams, when they would grade tape, they had what were called plus points. And so if you made a plus play, which was an offensive rebound, a tip out, a winning a 50-50 ball, being first to the floor, taking a charge, uh, making a great pass, even if it was a hockey assist. Coach Williams, while you're grading tape, your head manager is there, and he says, plus point, uh, you know, who, plus point Elliot, plus point RJ, you know, plus point Harrison, 50-50 ball. All right, so you just you track all those plus points, and then the next day in practice, we get told who won the plus points for the game, and plus points go into getting out of running at the end of practice, right? So you, you basically have uh, – 
you know, you have these in there in your holster. And, uh, and so if you got, you know, four plus points, um, and like Tyler Hansborough had like 150, it was so <laughs> annoying. Uh, <laughs> but if you, you know, if you had a couple of plus points and you get to the end of practice, we did everything white versus blue, everything's competitive, you know, so you'd say, okay, we did, uh, you know, five on five transition, white beat blue, 16, 14, uh, blue on the end line. If you're blue, you could step out and say plus point and you didn't have to run the sprint. So that's how we did it. Uh, so it's from grading tape. You get plus points. You use those to get out of running. Uh, of course, when coach got pissed, he would say, <laughs> no plus points. <laughs> so you couldn't always use them. It was kind of up to him. But anyway, long-winded answer to your question. Um, but, yeah, they, they definitely are tracking it in some way. I don't know if they still do plus points or not. I love that it's like you know, the coaching staff's own version of Shroot Bucks. Uh, and they get to yeah. distribute it however they there want. I love that. Uh, while I'm thinking about it, Dewey, there's probably a, a, a nice gaggle of people on Franklin Street right now. I would imagine the weather was nice in Chapel Hill today and you know, a little bit of an early game tonight. I can think of a lot of watering holes that are going to uh, going to be raking it in a little bit later. I'm assuming Tommy is is probably still crowd surfing there. But if he's not, I wonder if he like asked the crowd to set him down in front of Johnny T-shirt so he could pick up some swag. Yeah, he would deserve it, wouldn't he? He's absolutely earned it. And, you know, if he lost his pants the way I assume he did when he was crowd serving, he could run into Johnny T-shirt, get some new shorts, game shorts, uh, UNC, you know, the little uh, breathable um, dry cool or dry cell or whatever they call it. Uh, Johnny T-shirt has that stuff. Uh, And so Tommy could actually find some new shorts tonight while he loses the first pair that he already had. Uh, Johnny T-shirt's been sponsoring the show forever. We appreciate them inside Carolina. Premium subscribers know they get that extra 10% off the top to throw that on top of their their final discounts. And and you get out of there with a really, really sweetheart deal. We appreciate what Johnny T-Shirt does for us and want you guys to uh, to appreciate them as well. Dewey, I know it's a night of a lot of positives, and I hate to do this, but I wouldn't be doing my job if, if, if I wasn't. Um, I have been absolutely just railing on the referees this year, not necessarily because they're calling bad calls against North Carolina or for the opponent. I just don't know what referees are even watching for anymore. Uh, I think the way the first half of that game was called was about as good as you could ask for, um, considering what we've seen this year. And then in the second half, as expected, they started calling, and it didn't get egregious as it has in the past, uh, but we started seeing one or two um, perimeter calls that weren't fouls in the first half. Then we see a situation where there's a hook and hold. R.J. Davis goes to the ground, and they call a flagrant on R.J. Davis. Not a referee, never been to referee school. I don't pretend to know what, you know, what it is that those guys are trained to look for. But please explain to me how, how they can watch it? Please, somebody, but please, how they can watch a review and add on after that, that R.J. Davis committed the foul that, that got him. I, I don't understand. I, I just, I'm, I'm flummoxed, perplexed, yeah. whatever you want to call it. You know, the biggest thing you hope for uh, as – players that are getting into the rhythm of a game is that the refs are just consistent. Like, look, if from the jump, you want to call it tight, you want to call hand checks, you want to call any bump in the lane, it's all foul. Okay. Uh, then adjust. And, and I was critical of Elliot the other night that he didn't adjust. They kept calling. I felt like he had five of the same fouls in the, in the second half there. Uh, so all you hope for as a team and as a staff and a head coach is just be consistent and, you know, when I looked at the halftime stats and I saw that they had shot no free throws and that the foul calls were generally down, 
I just, it's like you said, it's like, you, it's almost like they can't help themselves. It's like, they, they feel can. like they have to be a part of it or like the first half was great. Great flow. We, we almost made it to half a hundred. Uh, you know, if Duke makes a couple more shots, uh, it's a little bit tighter. It was a good, good flow to that game. Evidenced by the fact that you kept missing TV timeouts because they're just letting them play. Yep. Right. That, What's better than that as a fan in the arena on TV? It's just let the kids decide. Let the kids decide. Yes. And then you get into the second half and it gets whistle happy. I just, it's hard to play when what you did in the first half is different than what you're allowed to do in the second half. And so that's frustrating. The hook and hold thing, I, I, yeah. I mean, you heard Billis. He said it. He said it well enough. Like it looked like Filipowski was holding RJ. At the very, very end of that clip, right before Trimble hit him in the eye, if you look down, RJ's arm was wrapped around Filipowski. But this is after the seven-footer had almost clotheslined him and taken him down. You might even argue that RJ was holding on to him just to stay upward. Thank you. Right? And so that's, that's an obvious no call, number one. Uh, number two – RJ was just trying to box out, which is his right. And that doesn't give Filipowski Phil, the right to come over top of him and effectively clothesline him. And so I'd, I'd like to have seen a no call. Uh, but so, okay, they call it on RJ, which I didn't agree with. And then they go to the tape. So we all saw it 11 times. <laughs> and then they upgrade. I, I, yeah, it was bad. Thank God it wasn't a close game. Yeah, it, As in like it wasn't yeah. like a three, four point. Because can you imagine if that was a game-deciding call, what this place would be like? I mean, it just – just stay out of it. You're, you're, talking, you're talking to an Eagles fan who on <laughs> that last possession against the Chiefs, they call that garbage hold that allows the Chiefs to run it down and kick a field goal when, in my mind, I'm like, let the players decide it. Let Jalen Hurts decide it against Holmes. Let uh, Mahomes, let's have that story. And you almost have that issue tonight, if not for the the ten point lead. Yeah, and Tommy and I have talked about it offline, but it, it's just all I'm asking for is consistency. And you talked about you know how do the players play. I also look at how do the coaches coach. Like, how do you tell your guys what to do when the same thing isn't called or legislated in the first half the way it's legislated in the second half, or even at different times in a half? It's just it's it's really really tough to watch especially since the flow of the game had been so good for the first half. Um, all right, we got 957 people in here. Uh, Dewey and I are going to rock this until we get to 1,000. So if any of y'all are out on Franklin yeah. Street and want to want to drop in, feel free. Dewey, uh, you, we talked about it at halftime, the fact that North Carolina was able to be in the position they were in without needing much from R.J. Davis. <laughs> Davis still finishes uh, with 17 points, uh, five assists, and zero turnovers. I know Zach Eady's going to be the 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 favorite for Player of the Year. I get that uh, he's he's seven foot twelve or whatever it is. You know he's he's virtually unguardable. But can you put into context what R.J. Davis is doing now versus how his career has ascended over the last three years? Yeah, I mean the biggest compliment you can give him, uh, just, number one, just being in the conversation for National Player of the Year. I mean, unless something crazy happens and he falls off a cliff or we fall off a cliff, he's going to be the ACC Player of the Year. Um, but here's a really cool thing that, that should happen. He should be a consensus first-team All-American. That has not happened to very many guys at our yeah. school. 
you know? And so if he's not national player of the year and Edie's been fantastic and you know how the media kind of gets going on something and you even heard for sure. Phyllis say it, it's already on his shelf unless somebody goes and takes it, whatever that means. Um, but RJ Davis, if for anybody who has a vote and who's paying attention is a consensus first team all American. And that is, that is a remarkable accomplishment not just for a guy of his size, but as his career has progressed and how reliable he's become. Um, you know, I think of him now in the same light as I thought of Joel Berry, as I thought of Marcus Page, you know, senior guards at Carolina that just had been through it. They played in, you know, 160 games and you just knew you could count on them when things got tough. And that's how you feel about RJ now. And what a compliment because, you know, 24 months ago, which is right before we started to go on that run to the final four, how dare would you say RJ Davis's name in the class of a Joel Berry and a Marcus Page? You would not. And now you do. I've, I've kind of scintillated at, at the thought of, of Roy Williams being able to coach RJ Davis more just so he could refer to him as a tough little nut a bunch of times. Is is RJ not like the quintessential Roy Williams type point guard? He is. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, th those three guys that we just named, right. I mean, Ty Lawson was different because he was so gifted and so fast. He was, he was truly a freak. Um, those other three that we're talking about, I'm, I'm sure I can come up with a couple more, but those are the three that stand out for me. Yeah. Um, that, you know, they weren't the most athletic. They weren't the fastest. They weren't the biggest, but they were true elite basketball players. And, and that's what RJ has become. I mean, we knew he could score, but he's an elite scorer. He scores at all three levels at the rim, in the mid range from three makes his free throws. He's much better defensively this year. You know, teams used to pick on him a lot, uh, especially last year. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't mean to, to beat it dead, but I don't know how to pay him a higher compliment than thinking about all the players since coach Williams came uh, again, he's, he's not Raymond Felton, who again was elite athletically and was his speed like Ty. Uh, Kendall was a, a pass first guy. Kobe White, 6'5", different. Uh, so it's those three guys that I think of all the uh, really very similarly now, which is a tremendous compliment. Also a uh, tremendous compliment to the 1,012 people that are in here tonight. Dewey, they're nice. all here to see you. All here to see you. I'm glad you're, uh, glad you're joining us. Uh, so real quick, a couple other stats I want to throw out, and then Dewey, I'll let you uh, let you put a bow on this beautiful thing tonight. Uh, North Carolina gave up 54 points in the paint, and one by nine, Duke had four players in double figures, and I still feel like it was more of a blowout than the score maybe said. I, I never felt like North Carolina was in danger of losing this game tonight. Uh, is is it just another example of this team finding ways to be different and just win no matter what? Yeah, I mean, they look, they did get a lot of points in the paint. M McCain was a load. Obviously, he, he made a couple of threes, but he was actually toughest getting to the rim. Yeah, uh, He finished a bunch at the rim. Filipowski's big and strong and, and, again, finished at the rim. Didn't have his best night, but, you know, guys, still at 22 on 9 for 17. You know, it's pretty good. Roach got in the paint a lot. So they did have a lot of buckets inside. Um, they obviously didn't shoot it well from the outside, 5 for 19, so that was part of it. Um you know, there will be stuff on tape to work through. Giving up 84 points is a lot. Um, but the pace of the game allowed for that. You know, it, it just – it was going to be a, a game in the 80s and 90s. 
so like no doubt things to work on. We gave up some offensive rebounds that we shouldn't have. Um, but all in all, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty happy with the effort. Uh, certainly some things to clean up, but we took care of the ball. We shared the ball. We made shots. We made free throws. We rebounded. We hustled. We won 50-50 balls. Um, and one of my favorite things to say, we took the fight to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and uh, another final stat that folks will probably want to look at. I mentioned earlier, North Carolina really took care of the ball. Uh, only had five turnovers tonight. Duke had 11, but North Carolina got 19 points off of Duke's 11 turnovers, and that'll win you a lot of ball games. All right, Dewey, uh, North Carolina, as as coaches are wont to say, you gotta you know celebrate this one tonight, put it to bed. They got a you know they got a game against Clemson on Tuesday night at seven o'clock in the Smith Center. Uh, what will the next 24 hours or so be uh, be like for this team? Well, the next five hours are the most fun you can pretty much have. <laughs> save, uh, save jumping off of a, you know, save jumping off of a, a fraternity house into a pool. Yeah. Place. Unless you jump off of a, a fraternity, uh, fraternity house. But um, yeah, look, the next five, is, you can't shower fast enough uh, to get dressed and get up there, which is, uh, which is great. So I hope these guys enjoy it. You know, you, you remember and talk about this stuff, these games, the, the nights after with your teammates, you know, this is crazy to say. I'm 17 years out um, from when I finished we're, up. We're not that old, dude. We're not that I old. I know, man. We are. And uh, and I remember exactly what we did and who we were with every time we beat Duke there and at, at home. So uh, this is – I just love it for them. They're going to have the greatest time. Uh, and then, I'm, you know, I'm guessing uh, maybe a little run and shooting tomorrow, a little, little training room uh lift shoot that kind of thing and uh and watch film and then you got to get ready to go clemson's you know got a good team they have some good wins and played us tough at their place um but yeah man tonight's tonight's gonna be a good one absolutely shout out to everybody who was in the uh who was in the chat we got up to 100 oh, 1034 uh that's awesome Thanks. so glad so many of you guys wanted to be a part Thank of this you. Uh, before we get out, of, yeah, absolutely. Before we get out of here, I want to shout out to Congruity. You guys know the drill with Congruity. They're here to support Inside Carolina, but also they're here to support your smaller, medium-sized business. Congruity HR forward slash Tar Heels will get you that free business assessment. They will tell you how they can make your HR and benefits side of your business much more efficient so you can focus on making your business more profitable. I don't know why you would not want a teammate like that in Congruity, so check Congruity out. We appreciate them sponsoring the show. Do any parting shots before we get out of here tonight? Tar Heels win 93 to 84 against Duke. And I think we covered it. You know, guys played hard. They played together, took care of the ball, shared the ball, made timely shots. Um, Harrison Ingram, you know, probably your player of the game, just a, a total floor game from him on the backboard, 50 50 balls, making shots. Uh, and, you know, maybe the biggest thing for me to, because to, Harrison's been that. Uh, if Armando can be this Armando, uh, we elevate our ceiling and we become a much more dangerous team. I think uh, even as poorly as he shot the ball, I think the light bulb is on for Elliot Cadeau. He's going to get better. Like literally every minute he's on the floor, he is getting yep. better right before your eyes. And so as this continues to come together with good health, and if Armando can play like that, I'm excited for what we can do. Yeah, and I've said it before on the Coast to Coast, which, by the way, will drop tomorrow evening. I also want to give a big shout-out to Taylor Viplis, whose video feature after this game 
will be up probably within moments after we finish here tonight. So make sure y'all check that out on Inside Carolina. Uh, yeah, I am not able to connect with Tommy Ashley for a live hit on Franklin Street. Uh, not sure what happened there. I heard some helicopters. Uh, I heard a lot of uh, a lot of screaming. Uh, and, and then, you know, just his, his phone kind of blacked out. Not really sure what's going on there. So shout out to uh, to Tommy Ashley and the Ashley boys who are celebrating tonight. Uh, enjoy this, folks. I've said on the coast to coast and I'm saying it now just it, remember how tough uh, how tough winning can be and how hard it can be to come by. So when you get wins like this over your rival at home, uh, man, get it all over you. Enjoy it. Uh, shout out to the 1000 people that joined tonight for the post game show. Dewey, I appreciate doing these with you, man. Thanks for making time. Uh, we appreciate Johnny T-Shirt and Congruity for sponsoring us and to John Siegley for producing. Until next time, for Dewey Burke, I'm Joey Powell. This has been the Post Game Live from InsideCarolina.com. Y'all take care. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.